Hello again, and welcome to this fourth edition of Métier Class by Chanel. I'm Tyler Brulé. In this special five-part series, we're exploring the philosophy, craftsmanship, artistry, precision, and the design codes of Chanel with its family of collaborators. And over the course of the series, we sit down with Lady Amanda Harlick, Chanel's fashion president, Bruno Pavlovsky, and the late art director, Karl Lagerfeld. Today, we're in Paris to meet musician, record producer, and now Chanel collaborator, Pharrell Williams. Hot off the heels of Chanel's French Riviera-themed haute couture show at the Grand Palais, we meet at La Reserve Hotel to discuss aspiration, scribbling on sneakers, and what we can expect from Mr. Williams' upcoming collection. This is fresh off the back of just coming from a couture show, but you're over on this side of the, the Atlantic. I guess maybe I'm curious about the relationship to the, to the Maison, that... Uh, here you have uh, someone who, of course, is so important, not just in American pop culture, global pop culture, with this attachment to, of course, one of the world's, world's most respected luxury brands. And I'm curious about sort of the journey and, and I guess that sort of attachment and how, how you ended up here. Uh, that's a really good question because it's incredibly layered. I think it started, my first introduction to the brand was Notorious B.I.G., he had a song called One More Chance. It was a huge record in our culture, you know, and with the world. And he said, um, bags by Chanel, baby Benz traded in your Hyundai XL. And he's talking about like the elevation, like being with a hustler that, that he was. He was saying, be with me, like we'll, we'll get you bags by Chanel and get you a baby Benz traded in for that Hyundai XL. It was about elevation, right? And the idea that he knew that just kind of put Chanel on my radar. So I started looking around and I started seeing like women with really, really, really refined taste wearing it. Then when you dive into it, you see the shows, you see all these incredible directions that they were able to take this brand in without ever wearing down the heritage. And in fact, doing the complete opposite, bringing the heritage along. The, herita the heritage are like maybe, I would say, like a, a set of rules in my mind. But the rest of it was just all exploratory. And uh, that was like crazy to me. So I don't know, like maybe, maybe 10 years ago, I was like, I've always been like a perpetual child and a perpetual, a pe perpetual student and a perpetual um, fan. And even though it was 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, I started drawing on my shoes. And I drew the CC on one of the shoes, and I drew uh, Chanel Paris on the other. And I just, I was wearing them, and uh, we posted it up on Instagram or whatever, but just randomly. And I just kept doing it, and um, my security said to me, you know, one day you're going to end up doing a collaboration with them. And I was like, never happened. Because, you know, it's a woman's brand, you know, and only here and there they would make accessories that were not necessarily for purchase, I think, but just to accompany the shows back then. And uh, I was like, never happened. He's like, I'll bet you. He's like, if, if I win, you got to buy me one of those Chanel watches. And I said, okay, cool. And... Uh, I just blow it off. And then, I don't know, out of nowhere, I think I was introduced to the brand officially, where they um, 
had me come and visit one of uh, Carl's Little Black Jacket activations. And I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But I thought that was it. And then, like, it turned into coming to the parties, and it turned into campaigns, and then it evolved into being able to come in the room where they do the creating and, you know, and be a part of that conversation. And it evolved to him doing the film and designing something for me to wear and me being able to look in the camera and say it was made for me. You know, things that never really happened before. And mind you, I'm African-American, right? This never meant anything to them. They just, they didn't see that. They just saw me as somebody that reps the brand because they knew that I would buy belts and anything that I could wear for myself, I'd wear it. So along with drawing on my own stuff, I also started just like incorporating things that I felt like, well, this is unisex to me, I'll wear it. And I did. And that's something that I did for years. And so when they started making things for me, I was like, okay, this is great and I guess this is enough. But who knew I would wake up one day and they say, you know what, actually come in and do a capsule collection, do what you want to do. And um, that's where we are now. And I pinch myself all the time, you know, because Carl and, uh, you know, not only being open to it, but pushing and suggesting this, and Virginie pushing and suggesting, and Bruno pushing and suggesting just, I don't know, I just felt incredibly honored because I know what this brand is and the idea that uh, they would include me in part of their, their narrative for growth is amazing. Effortless growth. And then the process, because you said maybe it was going to a little black jacket event, uh, and then you know you get deeper and deeper into it. And as you've been able to sort of peel back or been exposed to to different layers, has that, I guess, opened up a, a different type of creative process? Were, were you through this thinking, wow, I really hope a, a collaboration moment comes through at some point, of course, in terms of what's coming down the track right now? or Yeah, I think I was just blindly just like ambitious about that being a possibility. And the doors kept opening. The yeses just started, just kept coming. And it's like, well, okay, here we are. I want to come back to what's coming down the track. But... If you can compartmentalize you know, how you look at what you do from a performance point of view versus yeah, then having to think about sleeve lengths and fabrics and cut and all of the elements that go to, to develop something. Do you feel that these are sort of different hemispheres that you have to work with within your brain? Or? I, think, I think it's all, it's pretty much all the same. Attention to detail. And, you know, when that is like your number one focus, then it's kind of like the task before you are just, uh, though they uh, take different shape, it's pretty much the same premise. You know, attention to detail. It's very important. Are you surprised that you've ended up on this side of the Atlantic? Because, of course, America is full of huge brands. I don't want to make this into a Europe versus America discussion, but... Very easy to do that, but go ahead. (laughs) Could be. If we want to go there, we can. But I don't want to make it that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But... Could you look around the landscape in, yeah, in the U.S. And, and find something like this? And this is not about bigging up Chanel either. But when you talk about, yeah, you look at all of the artisans working here, you know, all of the various ateliers supporting it. Do you think this is a bit of a, of a one-off? And if you 
jumped in your car and scanned America, do you think you could find a, a brand like this? And it doesn't have to be in fashion, but whether it's in, could be in the world of beverages, it could be in hotels or anything else, or, or, or is there something, little, something a little bit different that you get over here than maybe versus that you might get in the States? Uh, I would, your first question, um, nothing about our relationship and rapport has been a one-off. And I think that when you think about the word rapport, there's no such thing as a one-off, right? That would just, there's no rapport. The rapport comes when there's back and forth. And we've been back and forth. And we continue to go back and forth. It's pretty awesome. And there's not another brand like this. It's not possible. They don't have Gabrielle as its founder and its visionary. They don't have Carl as its visionary. Those two factors alone make it impossible for any other brand to do that. And then you think about, to your point, like the, the collections, the guild of artists, artisans that are under the same entire house. Like it's like, who has that? You know, the Chanel Maison is arguably a guild. It's an artist guild. And that'd be hard to replicate, you know? To collect all those artists and to still have the expectation, the very high expectation, that you're going to make amazing clothes too. You know, being an artist guild alone is a huge job. You know, it's an incredible, nearly impossible feat. But to then also know that you're gonna, that from this is gonna be all these amazing clothes and shoes, that's tough. So no, I don't think it could be done again. How important is family and being a family and business and all of this? Because of course, you know, we sit in a world right now where there's you know, so much focus on you know, the valuation of, of, of big companies sitting in the Bay Area, where all of the energy is. And that here you look at you know, a brand, and we don't want to talk about money and valuation. Um, but there's a family at, at the center of it as well. And do you think that's also a little bit of what allows the support of all of these artisans? As, as you said, I mean, this, this extraordinary guild sitting at the heart of Europe, but also, I mean, being an engine for for fashion creativity. Um, probably if it was a public company, maybe these things wouldn't oh, be as important. Yeah, that would have destroyed it a long time ago. Because that's based on math and the consistency of a certain expectation mathematically, not for the growth of a brand and therefore, you know, um, the result of the right creative decisions. It's not possible. That's not possible. And ironically, they end up being one of the biggest brands you know, because they don't answer to quarters with the same kinds of pressures of math. It's about expectation of like how, how great the quality is because they know that that's what Chanel's consumers want. Um, when I was chatting to uh, Mr. Lagerfeld in New York, uh, we, we struck on two M words and, and I knew that you know, he didn't want to talk about, didn't want to talk about marketing, uh, which, is, which is incredible uh, and, and something that we all have to uh, respect enormously. But we got into another M word, which he's happy to talk about. And I'm just wondering about, yeah, you've grown up in, in a different era with different communication tools. And we struck on this point about mystery and the evaporation of, of mystery. And at a time when people want to live in real time and expose themselves as much as they can. Um, is there, is there a tension in that? And, I, and I'm just wondering, you know, your own personal brand, but also as you think about, about this house as well, that 
You know, I mean, I, I often sort of think that, you know, a good brand, 50% of it is in your head. Whether I think about how you might live as much as, you know, what does Gabrielle's apartment look like? Mystery is not going anywhere. It's just as important as it was before the popularity of the internet. It's just taking a different shape. It's different, you know? It's just not used in the very one-on-one way that it was before the internet. Because as you know, the greatest thing is a reveal, right? And before the real reveal is what? Mystery, right? So we use mystery, we just use it in a very different way. Can you, can you be on too much though today, do you think? On too much? On in terms of on and being all-consuming, uh, that people can, yeah, feed off of you at all times. Everything to everybody? Mm-hmm. No, that's not important. And then I wouldn't want to be. And I'm not sure Chanel would want to be everything to everyone because then there wouldn't be a standard. There's a standard because there are some degrees, varying degrees there. We need that. We need there to be, we need ubiquity, but we don't need one thing to be ubiquitous. You don't want to have conversations with your mother in the middle of a dance party, right? But you need your mother and you need to dance. It's okay. Not everything is meant to be universal in that way. That's, I think it's a wonderful thing. Love should be, you know. God, as I see it, or if you don't believe in that, you at least believe in the universe, which is far bigger than you, older than you, and will be here after you're gone and we're gone. You believe in that. That should be ubiquitous. But a brand? No. Because you tire of it. No choice. It's, it's every day. You talked about uh, attention to detail a bit earlier. Were you a detail freak from the age that you could rearrange things on the floor in your playpen? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's part of your DNA and, and partly, you know, partly why you're here. I mean, you've been given a really, it's an interesting uh, mantle that you have uh, right now. Mm-hmm. And does that play into it? Yeah, 100%. I love details. I love using them. Like I said, everybody is into details. They may just may not use, they just may choose a handful of them. But I love them and I, I think that that definitely plays a part in it because I'm able to bring my own observations, my own instincts into my relationship with them. And they see those those details, you know? I'm, I'm an Aries, so sometimes I'm, you know, I'm, I can be incredibly eclectic. I mean, I have on a whole lot of stuff right here, but. I think my gift is to just make it all seem simple and effortless. There's a lot of details, you know, but that's my thing. That's what makes me feel comfortable. And I'm just happy, um, uh, grateful is a better word, that they see that as a plus and say, you know, we could use that. Come join the fam and, oh, you want to do that? Oh, go ahead, whatever you want, you know? That's amazing because these types of opportunities have not been afforded to people outside of the fashion industry for very long, you know, just grateful. You're teasing us a little bit right now because um, I feel you're poking in a direction as to obviously things that you're working on at the moment. And you talked about the importance of the reveal. But if you think about what you're developing, designing, what we're going to see, little hint as to I guess in the process as well. I mean, we don't have to obviously because we can't show it right now. But you know, you talked about this not just legacy and heritage, but also what this 
company has, there's an incredible array of, of talent in front of you to work with. I mean, globally unique. I mean, that's a, that is a massive set of, of crayons and paintbrushes and Play-Doh and everything to get going with. Yeah. Where, where do you start? With what was necessary. It's essentials. It's just essentials for like human beings to be able to walk in there and come out with things. Like so, I've for years, you know, over ten years, I've been wearing like their belts. They were for women, but the ones that I felt like I could wear, I would wear. Um, a sweater here and there, I'd wear. I mean, this is women's, but it fit me, so it was perfect for the show today. And that was my thing, just trying to bring a unisex spirit to it a more pronounced unisex spirit, because there's a lot of things that they've, they've I, I, listen, I didn't walk in there like Einstein, they've known, oh, a man could possibly pull this off, or this would be, a man can wear this, but it's never been deemed for men in that way. You know, here and there they would do a couple of things, but again, it was mostly for the show. But this, this just, I feel like this is like bringing humanity together. You know, when you say unisex, you're talking about mankind. You're not talking about a gender specifically. And that's a, there's a topic today, you know, and well needed, right? So I was happy to be able to do that, and I wanted to just do it with color as well. And so that's pretty much what it is. It's like unisex in color by Chanel and Pharrell. So weird to say my name in third person, but it's that's, right. that's what it is. It's Chanel Pharrell. That's the, that's the capsule. You, you touched on sort of topics of, um, of today. Do you think about... A contemporary consumer, you think about the narrative that's around today. So a lot of people talking in, in anti-elitist terms uh, that you know, here we are sitting in a nice um, hotel in the heart of Paris and people say this is very rarefied. And, 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 you know, and oftentimes we see today that that notion of aspiration, it's not just aspiration of brand, it could be aspiration of education, you know, where you want to live the aspiration of, of healthcare, you know, many, many things, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to sort of level so many things off in society. Is there anything wrong, though, in, in, in aspiration and wanting to, to trade up? And I think in a little way, we sort of, at the start of this, we talked about sort of, you know, trading up a little bit. Do we have to reset that right now? Because I feel that aspiring has become a bit of a, a bad word today. Aspiring, uh, aspiration is a natural, is just human nature. You know, the apes can reach for the, for the fruit and the trees, but man has always reached for the stars. Aspiration is who we are. It's the reason why we talk about going to Mars. It's why we've been on the moon and China just went back. It's the reason why um, Elon Musk has SpaceX. It's the reason why we've all loved NASA and watch every, every single shuttle launch. That's all aspiration, you know? When we talk about, like, you know, Zero emissions, that's aspiration. We talk about like healthcare, that's aspiration. I don't know what kind of modern convenience or technology where aspiration is not at the helm of the conversation. So yeah, I don't even, I, yeah. I, I, the fact I don't want to, I'm not really interested in a conversation that doesn't have a, a, a note of aspiration in it. Or else we're just wasting time. Do you think it's been sort of packaged in a, and again, let's not make this a political conversation, but you know, whether it's sort of how elites and, uh, and, and how people sort of look, and I think this is sort of, it's a bit of a, it's a terminology issue that we've sort of ended up in that sort of people see, yeah, if, if you wear nice brands, you're part of an elite. And therefore, 
that's not so great because not everyone has universal access to it. And I'm wondering, do we need to dial that conversation down a little bit? I'm wondering if that's become a little bit too all-consuming these days. It's a wave, but it needed to happen. You know, I feel like the the elite portion of society got a little com- comfortable. I mean, as they always do. You know, it's okay. But I feel like I'm here. I'm one of those, I'm, this is a brand, I'm one of those, that this relationship and this rapport is, they're letting you know. They get it. They take inspiration from many walks of life, right? But then when it's released, it's released as a, quote unquote, in the elite world. And so how long can you do that before you invite some of that inspiration in the house, you know, Um, in the Maison? And I've received nothing but open arms and incredible support, seriously. So yeah, they are a part of that conversation 100%. There is two kinds of corporations in this world. There are the ones who don't get that, the ones who are being resistant about it and take on a certain attitude. And then that's those are the ones that they come out and they make a crazy comment that you don't understand or they take a stance on something that their audience doesn't understand. And then they, you know, they go, it just doesn't look good. And then or they're in another country and they say something that or do something that is completely offensive to the culture because they're not in there. That's what happens when you just stay in an elite circle the entire time. Here's the thing. Uh, the other side are the people who, who do know that inclusion and diversity is everything. And you can't just take inspiration. you got to take the people with you. Chanel's on that side. And that I'm proud of. Let's, let's not erect borders, but obviously you've been exposed to some amazing things uh, with this maison. Do you feel a pull, or, or maybe it's actually more of a push, of how this is informing other parts of your life? I mean, in terms of your creativity. Or is it all pretty seamless? I think it's seamless in the sense that like, I bring you know, my observations and my instincts to the table in any of my partnerships and, and my own uh, respective businesses and my relationship and my family rapport. I just try to bring that in at all times. And it's made a partnership like this with Chanel it's made it feel so effortless because I'm able to just literally be myself. Good, bad, or indifferent. Because we're all human. And I want to go back to like the elite portion of your questions. I also want to say that elitism is peopled by people. And that's the good news. So there's always hope that that one person can too see the, the beauty or that group can see the beauty in, in other people and other humans so I never give up you know the elite is it's not always all bad it's only bad when you forget that there are other people too you know because elitism can be used for good and that's what be more awesome they use their their resources and use their ability to democratize access uh, and the ability to support different people that's when you see it for good And we know a lot of people like that too, individuals and groups and brands. It's just we got to get some of the other ones that that don't understand, that haven't turned the corner yet, you know? Mr. Pharrell Williams, thank you very much. Thank you.
And that concludes this fourth edition of Mete Class by Chanel. We've been in conversation with Chanel collaborator Pharrell Williams, and you can catch up with the rest of the series at monocle.com or download them from your favorite audio source, including Chanel's 355 series on iTunes. In our final episode, we'll be hearing from all of our contributors to this series, looking towards a new future for Chanel. Today's show was coordinated by Monocle's Daphne Hazard, produced by Holly Fisher and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I'm Tyler Brulé. Thank you for listening.